Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. You're listening to the Irish Times Business Podcast. The Irish Times Business Podcast in association with Irish Life. It's November 11th. I'm Tom Lyons, and you're very welcome to this week's edition of the Irish Times Business and Technology Podcast. Following a blockade of meat processing plants, farmers and meat manufacturers will meet today to discuss the ongoing saga over beef prices. A resolution to the dispute is not at all guaranteed, and the prospect of future protests is certainly on the horizon. On the phone, I'm joined by Ger Bergen, National Treasurer of the Irish Farmers Association. And in studio, I'm joined by Mark Paul, who'll be writing about this subject this Friday. I'll start with you, Ger. Can you explain the, the key issues that have led to this standoff? Uh, good afternoon, Tom. Um, I think there, you can split the key issues into two. The first issue is the price issue and the fact that we are lagging so far behind our main market. Um, if you do the comparisons, and I think it's been very clear from the IFA protest, there's a €350 Euro gap between the equivalent animal uh, going for market and slaughter in the UK as to here in, in Ireland. And the biggest issue in regard to that is the way that gap has grown over the past year. And if you look over, past, over the past number of months, that gap has grown by about another €0.30 cent per head, about €100 Euro per animal. And that is inflaming and increasing the anger of farmers as to the way they're being treated by the processing sector. The second issue is the specifications and requirements uh, which are under discussion today in the Beef Forum uh, that that are required of farmers for animals uh, that go for slaughter, how they're paid for the grading, uh, and all the new specifications that were brought in when cattle numbers increased, you know, from about a year ago to start of this year, whereby issues that hadn't before been issues, such as weights, carcass weights, age, breeds of animals, all those kind of uh, issues were brought into the mix to cut prices further. Those are the the, the two key areas, Tom, that are driving uh, the protests that we've seen over the past number of weeks. And Ger, what's the difference with the Irish markets? Do you, do you believe that, you know, there's, like how come they can get, the, the meat processors can get the prices so far down uh, in this market versus what's happening in the UK? Well, uh, look, Ireland is a major exporter of beef. Uh, we export 90% of what we produce. Um, about half of what we export in beef goes to the UK market, the highest price market in the world. Most of the other half, not all, but most of the other half goes, is spread across the EU and continental markets. In the UK, and the animals that we produce, you know, we have a very similar profile of animals to, 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 to the UK market. 
clearly that there's a preference for British product on the on the UK market, but it's a deficit market and requires a significant uh, has a significant import requirement, and we're ideal for meeting the specifications and requirements there. And you know the gap has varied over the years, but it has never been as wide as it has been over the past year, and particularly now. And when you're comparing like for like animals, and you see a gap as large as 350 euro, as large as a euro per kilo uh, uh, dead weight. You know, the only conclusion you can draw is that there's profiteering in the industry at the expense of farmers. We've seen some of the uh, research there, retail research coming from the UK over the last number of months, clearly indicating that uh, the volumes and prices have been picking up and have been improving across the UK market. And just, I suppose, in, in conclusion, just at the last uh, B or at the Beef summit that the, that occurred at the beef farm that occurred in the middle of the summer. There was a commitment given by the processing industry to the minister uh, and to IFA that as markets recovered, uh, the prices would be returned to farmers. The UK market has continued to improve and improve and recover, but there has been no return to farmers. And Mark Paul, we've heard the farmers' point of view there, which is you know they're comparing themselves with the UK. They're they're raising concerns about classification of animals. I mean, what is from the meat processors' side? Uh, you know, like how are they defending themselves? Well, the meat processors say that the that the price that's paid for beef in Ireland is is, is determined by market prices or by market forces. Now, they would argue, and and again, this this will be their argument and not mine, but they would argue that um, um that the the DIFA has been very very selective in 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 the examples that it's chosen in order to in order to show the disparity between Ireland and the UK. That they would argue that that the 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 the, the, the differential isn't quite as pronounced um, with other types of cattle. And um, they argue that Irish beef is mainly used for mince over in the UK. Um, and because um, British people like to eat British beef for their steaks, so that um, look, they're, they're just not going to get those really high prices. That that's their argument. Um, I think you know, as as well as the farmers and the meat factories, there are also other people with a stake in this. No pun intended. Obviously, you have the um, um, you have the workers in the factories who who didn't get to work for two days this week and and, and lost another uh, day's work in pre- in previous weeks. And we had SIP2 um, out yesterday and today, um, saying that they'd like a place at the table at the, at, the, at the beef forum talks because. Um, they're afraid for the jobs of their of their members in the processing plants, um, and uh, probably you know one of the other major players as well who just emerged um, on um, uh, on Wednesday in this story is the uh, the Competition Commission who have stepped in and have warned the farmers and have also warned uh, uh, the beef processors not to engage in anything that could constitute price fixing. This is a very it's quite a sticky situation in one sense for the IFA because um, the IFA have said that price is the central issue um, and. And that a substantial um, increase in the price will be needed to end this. But um, how can you? Um, how can how can, how can that be reached as the conclusion uh, as an agreement? Um, 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 if if there are rules against price fixing, it's a very very difficult minefield for both sides to negotiate around. And it'll be interesting to see how the IFA, IFA and the processors deal with it. And Jared, that that is a difficult issue. I mean, you know, like on the one hand, we you know there's the free market. On the other hand. Uh, you know there there is this big gap in prices. Uh, how do you how how are you going to deal with that in the IFA? Well, look at the moment. There's an imbalance there in in the market, and you take it probably on an average week, four, five, six thousand farmers are selling. You know, on average, small numbers of cattle to really three or three or four major processors who have a huge uh, sway and control over the price that is set at any one time. So. 
you know, you could argue that there's a serious imbalance there against the primary producer. In terms of the competition authority and uh, uh, the comments they have made, well, we've been arguing strongly for a long time that there's a role for the competition authority in re-looking at the industry in terms of how it fixes prices and looking at uh, all along the chain in the industry as to where control is, whether it's in rendering or any other areas. Because there is a genuine concern out there amongst farmers that there's too much control uh, by a small number of people uh, in the key areas in the industry that allow them to um, potentially fix prices and to regulate uh, numbers at individual plants, that kind of thing. That's a belief that's strongly held out there. And I think uh, my view is that the competition authority should be uh, uh, trying to sort that issue out. In terms of the... um, and the pricing and the setting of the pricing and all the difficulties with that. Look, there are a few key messages here. If you look at the Chagask, the Independent Research Authority uh, on beef, what they have said clearly during the summer at the, uh, in the, the outcome of their research in this area is that the break-even price for beef produced in Ireland is €4 Euro a kilo. That's just break-even and cover costs. And that in reality, you would need about four fifty per kilo to return some sort of a reasonable income to farmer producers. So... Those are the facts that we have to deal with in the context of the market that's there today. And you put that together with a growing gap with our major market, our main market, uh, uh, that has grown uh, hugely over the past year in terms of pricing. With no, There's no market research to show that there have been any change, major change that would justify such a growth in the gap. And uh, you begin to see where the price has to go to if there's to be uh, uh, an income for farmers and growth in the industry. And just on top of that, in terms of the concerns of workers and SIP2, and look, uh, we have no dispute at all with the people who work in the industry or with the unions that represent them. But the long-term viability of the jobs in the industry are going to be absolutely dependent on reasonable farm incomes so that uh, numbers can be maintained, such as uh, can grow and production increase. At Irish Life, we can tell you that 49% of employees in Ireland don't think about tomorrow. They don't have a pension plan. We can help you help them. Because if you're involved in running your company's pension plan, we can administer it for you. With our member-specific investment solutions, online access for employers, trustees and members, and always-on smartphone apps. Just call one of our corporate team on 01704-1845. Visit irishlifecorporatebusiness.ie or contact your pension consultant to find out how we can help your company think of tomorrow. We know Irish Life. We are Irish Life. Irish Life Assurance PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. All information source for Irish Life September 2014. And Mark Paul, is, is, would you take Jerry's point that, that you know, in particular, in relation to you know that you know, yes, it's a free market, but in Ireland we only have three or four major meat processors, whereas in the UK you've got much more options as, as there's much more competition. Yeah, look, look, it's a fair point to raise. Seventy percent of the market in Ireland is is um, is, is three companies. It's Larry Goodman's uh, ABP. It's a uh, Keepac, which is controlled by the Keating family, and Dawn Meats, which is um, controlled by the Queelys, who who have been involved in meat processing for a long, long time. Um, th- there is another element to the pricing end of it, and that's the price that customers and people pay at the shops. Um, 
um, in, in their Tesco or in their Super Value uh, or, or wherever else they might be to buy their meat. I mean, obviously the farmers want to get the best price that they can. Um, um, and uh, uh, But the, the farmers have complained a lot that they feel that retailers are, uh, are putting the squeeze on at the other end um, and maybe that the meat processors to a certain extent are being squeezed in the middle. Um, you know, pe- look, pe- pe- people want cheap beef. They want cheap uh, uh, steaks. They want cheap mince. Um, and now obviously in order to keep the industry sustainable, farmers have to get the, the, uh, the best price. But there's a tension in there, a natural tension between what consumers want and what farmers want. And, and that makes things a little bit more difficult, I think, for farmers in, in, the, in the court of public opinion, because the higher the price the farmer gets, ultimately, the higher the price that means you will pay for our steak. And Jerry, is that fair to Mark's comments there, or, or do you, you know, like where is the profit going here? And uh, the prices, as I understand it, the difference in the price of meat between Ireland and the UK isn't that great. Well, I, I think I would disagree with Mark to a point in terms of one issue. We're not looking for a price increase for consumers uh, at the moment uh, to increase prices at farm gate level. What we're looking for is a share, a fairer share of the consumer price that's there. There's enough um, evidence there from the different research groups, Cantor World Research likes, to show that the uh, the price has been stable or growing at retail level. That's the first issue. Uh, that the UK is and across the continent, but in the UK, a significant deficit market that will remain that way, uh, i.e. Uh, domestic uh, production in the UK won't f- uh, fill the demand that's there, and that that has been growing. And so the issue is, where do we position the, the farmer price in the overall scheme of things? And clearly, one of the jobs that has to be done, because neither Mark nor myself can answer the question, as to the breakdown and the transparency mm-hmm. of where the ultimate end price, how that's distributed back yeah. along the yeah. chain. To be yeah. honest, nobody knows that, least, least of all farmers. And that's one of the issues that's going to have to be addressed there. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's a fair point. But as you say yourself, Chair, if you know if you guys don't want the price to go up for consumers well, and, and, and you want the price to go up for you guys, that means in the middle, either the retailers or the processors have to take a hit. If the consumers aren't going to take a hit and the farmers won't take a hit, it's got to be either the retailers or the processors. Now, if you look at Tesco, for example, I mean, Tesco are in free fall in this country and their profits are going right down, their sales are going right down. And there's a price war between them, between Aldi, between Lidl, between Supervalue. And it's very, very difficult to see why they would take a hit or why they would do so voluntarily in, in any sense. Um, and then you have the uh, the meat processors. Now, a lot of these companies um, are unlimited. They don't file accounts. We have no idea how profitable they are. We have no idea how profitable the Queelys are, how profitable Larry Goodman's operation is and how profitable uh, Keepak is. Um, um, now, the, the general consensus or conventional wisdom will be that these businesses are um, um, quite profitable. I mean, they're very wealthy families that own them, um, but that they would be um, low margin, high volume. So uh, I don't know uh, uh, whether or not the IFA or anybody else can show that they're earning excessive profits but I think to expect the retailers to take a, a, a chunk out of their profits in the middle of a price war I think is probably wishful thinking and that leaves the processors um, um, who, who we don't know how profitable they are and again I suppose that's the crux of the argument for uh, for the IFA they, uh, they need somebody else to take a hit uh, Look there's no doubt the retailers are a major player in, in, in the fixing of farm gear prices you know back down the chain and to be honest, it, this is another area uh, that needs regulation, and we haven't seen adequate regulation here. We've seen better in the UK. The retail sector is an extremely powerful, dominant, uh, and again, a large number, uh, or sorry, a small number of players controlling a large number of the market, despite the fact that there may be price wars uh, be, be, between them. The, the, they exert, and we've experienced it from in every sector, from liquid milk to the fruit and vegetables to the potato to the meat sectors, uh, the power that they can exert. And 
I would dispute the fact that uh, um, their margins are low. Uh, if you look at the, the retail development across both the UK and Ireland, and, uh, you know, there's competition, yes, uh, to a certain degree, but there's a, there seems to be a hunger to expand and develop, and we see new retail outlets popping up uh, all over this country and all over the UK. So, I, I, to be honest, this notion that somehow to return a fairer price to farmers for herds and beef or anything else will somehow uh, damage the retail sector to a point uh, that viability or anything like that will be under threat, uh, I think that would be fanciful as well. And I think there needs to be far greater regulation, uh, a regulator in the retail sector, uh, uh, to control some of the influence that they have, the disproportionate influence that they have. In terms of the processing sector here taking a hit, uh, farmers all across the country, and the evidence is clear uh, that the people involved in the processing sector, you know, uh, as you have said, there seems to be a fair bit of wealth there, and there seems to be a fair bit of uh, investment outside the industry and an ability uh, uh, to get involved in other business ventures. We've seen plenty of examples of that. You've reported on it in the Irish Times. Uh, uh, on many occasions. So, again, it's very difficult uh, to believe that there's not room for a fairer price for farmers without damaging consumers uh, in, in any way. I know these are difficult times for consumers. And when we look at retail prices for the different cuts, you know, I've been in supermarkets a lot over the last number of uh, months and years, and you see from mints up, you, you refer to mints uh, there earlier, you know, prices from four, five, six euros a kilo, up to 10 euros a kilo for the for the lowest price cuts at the retail level, uh, up to into the 30s for the high price cuts, it's very hard to justify a price of 370 a euro uh, farm gate price based on on uh, those type of uh, end prices. You know, you just cannot say uh, that there isn't room uh, for an improvement in the farm gate price. And what we're looking for is to try and get back to a profit from a loss-making situation into a place where we can generate income uh, for farm families and also income for reinvestment to meet the standards that are required. And Jared, these are you know very complicated issues. You know, you know, in terms of price transparency, where is the profit going? What is the role of the retailer? Uh, do, do like do you hold out much hope for for some sort of an agreement coming together this week, or do you think that this is going to have to take quite a bit longer? Well, look, it's difficult to say, but I think what is clear from talking to farmers on the ground at the protests over the last number of weeks is that the level of anger uh, that's there, the, uh, the hardening of their position after the difficult year, year and a half that they've had, was, is, required, is going to require significant changes at processor level. Um, I'm in no doubt uh, as an IFA leader as to what the view of my members are uh, after what has happened over the past year, where they've been very badly treated by the processing sector and by by, uh, by politicians as well. Remember why we are where we are, so to speak. We've had a food harvest 2020 uh, plan in operation for the last number of years, which is encouraging farmers to retain more livestock at home, not to live export. And that is what happened. People followed that advice. We end up with about 130,000 more cattle this year to be processed. And all of a sudden, the price takes an almighty whack and the specifications are changed to cut the price even further. People were encouraged to produce bull beef, and then when they had it ready for market, they were told they didn't want it two years later. So there's a huge responsibility in the political process and on the processors um, to get this right and to put in place a plan and specifications that are acceptable uh, to farmers on the ground that can be stood over uh, in the marketplace and get the price uh, 
from a loss-making situation into a situation where our members can have an income. And Mark Paul, would you be optimistic that there could be an agreement reached? I mean, by the sounds of the issues and the, the level of, of, of motion and the amount of money involved, uh, it does sound like it'll be difficult. I, I, I don't think there, there can be a clear victory for anybody because I think in order for there to be a clear victory for the IFA, um, um, prices would have to start rising and rising pretty substantially quite quickly. Um, and then I think you get into the realms of, well, what happens if somebody um, um, uh, looks into how those price rises came about? And um, we've already had the, the, the Competition Commission out today um, issuing warnings on anybody not to get involved in anything in relation to price fixing and I know that the talks today are about specifications and so on um, but the IFA has said itself that the central issue is price and the IFA obviously can't negotiate price on behalf of its members um, 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 because um, 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 that would be um, that would be contrary to, uh, to competition law but it's, it's, it's difficult to see how the IFA can win this straight out because price is the big issue and, and, and if they declare a victory on price that will attract perhaps unwanted attention. Well, I think that this is a, it's a fascinating story with some with still some considerable way to run. Uh, Ger Bergen, National Treasurer of the Irish Farmers Association and the Irish Times, Mark Paul, uh, thanks for coming on this week's podcast. And that's it for this week's edition of the Irish Times Business and Technology Podcast. I'm Tom Lyons. My producer was Sinead O'Shea. Sound engineer was JJ Vernon and research was by Declan Conlon. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.